change who you are or what you deserve so I give you my worship cause you still deserve it you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my song I'll pour out your praises and blessing and breaking you you're worthy, you're worthy of my soul. I'm gonna live like my King is risen, gonna preach to my soul that you've already
my head. You are worthy. After all the tears are shed, you're still worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. I'll never stop singing your praise. In the blessing and the pain, Lord, you are worthy. Whether you say yes or no or wait, you're still worthy. Through it all, I'll choose to say that you are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. I'll never stop singing your praise. And when I finally see your face, I'll cry worthy, worthy. When you song and I just picture heaven where his praise is never going to end so through our trials we can praise him worthy 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 through it all and then you're never going to stop singing his praise forever and ever amen in his presence so amen thank you if you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, search for the light of day in the dead of night we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight we've all run to things we know just ain't right and there's a better life 
Turn me around 
God, we thank you for the offering today. I know there's been a uh, message been going on all day, and the message has been through the Sunday school classes, and it's been through the songs, and uh, going to continue that message as far as I can tell. I want to uh, talk to you about something that God put up on my heart. I wanted to go to the book of Revelation, but I'm not going to go there now, and uh I feel like there's a lot of stuff happening today, and I want to say about the uh, book of Revelation, sometimes you can go too deep. You can go into things and begin to read things that only confuses you more. But I know that God has dealt with me over it in the last while, and I've been reading on it and studying some stuff, and I'm going to bring it out later. But today I want to talk to you about something I felt like God put on my heart. And I want you to know that what Karen said about there's none of us perfect. None of us live without sin or to the place where we fail God. We do things either in committing a sin, which which means that we know what we're doing. Or we do it in a obnit, obnit, what do you call it? Obnitting. Uh, we do it. We do it by just not doing things. I think it's James four seventeen says of them that know to do good and do it not it is sin. So it's not so much you're going out and committing a sin. Sometimes you know to do better and you don't do it. Sometimes you know to read your Bible, you don't do it. You can become. Uh, how do you say failure, short, uh, not upholding what God is. And you know what? When you do those things, you're opening up your heart and you're opening up your mind to the enemy having space to work in you. I know you don't believe that, but it's the truth. When you look at what the enemy is doing to people today, even in the churches, and I want to tell you something, there is only one church. And I'm not claiming that we're the only one. I'm claiming that we're a part of the body of God. And we're to work at this gospel that God has paid for, God has given us, God has sent his son to give us, and it is much more powerful than we are letting on in our Christian walk. This is not a church you come in and and join it and call yourself religious and go in and out when you like to. I want to tell you something. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he begins a work in you, and he begins to do something in you from the very day that you come to him. Because when you make a a decision in your mind, I'm lost and I need a Savior. I am not been saved. I've never been saved, and I need to be saved. Guess what? The enemy will fight you tooth and nail and tell you, no, you don't need that. But God is not only paid for that, he has not only put it out there, but it is more powerful than you understand. And we do not handle it like a religion. We handle it like a relationship with God. And I want you to hear 
that God not only starts from the very day, the very day that you come up here, the very day that you go wherever you go to fall on your face and say, God, I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. From that day on, God has begun a separation in you. He begins to sanctify. Jesus Christ paid for us. He, the one scripture says that he was sanctified himself for he died on that cross. He set himself apart for God's will and he died on that cross that you and I could be sanctified also. What does that mean? That sanctification means he's going to set you apart. He's going to make you holy. He's going to set you as one of his children. And when he does that, he has a walk from that day forward that you're to be sanctified and set apart from this world. How can the church become ready to go home with Jesus if we take the salvation that God paid for, the power that he puts in us to live this, because we can't live this on our own. You and I can't do it by our good works. We have to depend upon the power of God, the Holy Spirit, to convict us of our life as we walk. He's constantly, he not only sanctifies us as we begin, but he sanctifies us as we go. He sets us apart from ourself, sets us apart from that flesh. And every time, just like King David, when he did not go where he was supposed to be that day and he stayed home and he walked out on his porch and saw Bathsheba, he was where he shouldn't have been and he wasn't in tune with God. Because he, what did he do? He took his fleshly eyes and he put them on something and desired to have that instead of what God had called him to be. And that's what God has done in us, but the enemy is working overtime today's day to have it just that way. He wants to lure you back. He wants to draw you away. He don't want you to live a spiritual life. There's power in the spirit of God that's dwelling, that's, that when you receive Christ, he gives you the spirit of God. And that spirit of God should be speaking to you. He should be urging you. He should be telling you, open your Bible, read it for yourself. He should be telling you, pray and ask God. Don't go and ask some professor. He's going to give you a scientific man-made answer. But ask God what he says. Ask God what he thinks about the things that's going on in our world. I'm dumbfounded at what the churches are allowing in the churches. Not because of my religious walk, not because of my self-righteous walk, or of anything like that. It's really because they go completely away from this. They don't even read this to know what they're doing and then act like, well, we don't believe that way no more. Well, let me tell you something. He said it. Bobby said it. Jesus never changes. He's the same Yesterday, today, and forever. And that means he don't need to improve what he's doing. He's already arrived. We're the ones that haven't arrived. Today, I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to try to go through them because it's getting late quick, and I don't want to hold you here no longer than you want to be here. And that's always been a problem for me. 
In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, I want you to listen to these verses. It says, prove all things, 21. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Talking to Christians, Paul is. Talking to the Thessalonian church. He says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Boy, you know what? Just those two verses. We're to abstain away, get away from those things that appear evil. For some reason, we want to be a part of everything. We don't want to be denied nothing. I don't like the new America, they call it. I don't like to read the redistripting of not only land, but they have changed everything. I know a few years back they started a word called tolerance. You're supposed to tolerate everybody. I don't care what they got hang up about. And I'll tell you right now, that in the that in the America God made us for. That in the one that our forefathers sent their sons to die out on a battlefield for. But they call it diverse America. You're supposed to accept everybody, receive everybody, just love everybody, and take in whatever they want to bring in. And I don't agree with that. You're going to come out and be ye separate, the Bible says. There's got to be a separation with God's people. If you don't know there's a separation, you don't know the salvation that's supposed to be inside of you. Is that hard to say? It's hard to say, but I don't want nobody. We've been talking about end time stuff, and I'll tell you right now, I don't want the trumpet to sound and half of the church don't hear it. Is that hard to say? I got to say the truth. Because I want the truth to be happening going on in here. I want you to walk out and say, one thing he didn't do is soft soap it. I'm not going to soft soap it for you. I'll tell me and I'll tell my wife and I'll tell my children and I'll tell my grandchildren the same thing. We need to be ready for what's happening in our world. And the only way we can be is walk in the presence of God. And you can't walk in the presence of God if you're living half in and half out. I'm, I'm going to get on your nerve before it's over. I can see it. Verse 23 says, And the very God of peace, the very God of peace, sanctify you holy. He ain't talking about just H-O-L-Y. We do get sanctified holy. We become holy. I'm not, I don't feel like... Somebody tell me, what do you think, you're a saint? Yeah, I am, only because what Jesus did. I'm only holy by the, by the righteousness of Christ in me, but I'm not nothing good in myself. I got nothing to offer except for him in me. But he says, sanctify you holy. He's talking about W-H-O-L-L-Y. What's he talking about? He's talking about set you apart completely. Uh-oh. Now you're going to get on my nerve because that means I can't do some of the things I'm doing and call myself a Christian. Well, you know what? We got a whole world. I got a whole America going to church and doing everything the world's doing and calling herself Christian, holding their ticket and saying, I get to go to heaven. And I will tell you something. Jesus is coming back for his children. And he says he's coming back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle. I know I don't feel that inside, that I'm all that and a bag of chips. But can I tell you something? God's working on me. 
God's worked on me ever since the day I began to walk for him. And he's telling me, I got ideals that I have plans for what you're going to do. Not your plans, my plans. I have to be separated unto him. Not because I'm a minister, I'm separated unto him because I'm a church, I'm a Christian. And that's what I'm supposed to be. We're supposed to be separated. I look around sometimes at those that are vessels of honor. Why are they vessels of honor? They walk faithful to God. It ain't how much they do. It's not how much horn tooting that they get. No, it's they're faithful and true to who they are in Christ. And they're a vessel to honor. And that's what God wants. God wants every one of us to be vessels of honor. It's sad that ministers are not vessels of honor anymore. Many of them, they're not living what they're claiming. They're not trying to walk that. And I told my wife yesterday, I preached to myself first. I know where the buck stops. It stops right here first. I can't tell you anything that God ain't already convicting me over first. He wants me to walk this. He wants me to live this. He wants me to separate myself from this world. I don't mean you can't go out and play ball. That don't mean you can't go out and play a game of golf. That don't mean you can't go on vacation and have fun. God is not trying to steal your, uh, your heart and steal your life from you. God wants you to understand that the price is paid. He's coming back for a church, and we're to be ready. And the enemy wants to keep you away from that. He goes on to say, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God, Paul said, your whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, that means he don't want you just to feel good about yourself sometimes. He wants your whole spirit your whole soul, and your whole body to be sanctified, set apart for God. Granted, it ain't, there ain't no, there ain't no, how you say it, there ain't no space for the enemy to get in there. If you turn, if God's working on your spirit, your soul, and your body to be preserved blameless before him, that's who he's coming back for. That's scary, ain't it? I'll tell you right now, that puts a fear of God in you if you don't know God. That puts a fear of God in you if you're living half in and half out. Tells me, God, I need to get on my knees and repent. I need to meet, I need to meet with you more. I need to talk this over a little more. I need to bring and cast my cares upon you more. Faithful is he that called you who also will do it. He can do this work in you. You can keep saying, I can't keep from sinning. I can't stop myself. I'm going to tell you something. I never get up intentionally ready to sin. Lord, just give me somewhere to sin. That's not who we are. We're children of God. I don't want to hurt my heavenly father's heart by stepping on what his son paid for me to be set free from. I don't know if anybody in this world's teaching this or preaching the truth, but to me, that's truth. Truth that we don't want to hear, but it is truth. We have to face it. I would rather face 
I don't like pain medicine because I want to know where my pains are. And I know that's sad. Sometimes you just got to have something. But the real truth is, I want to know the worst of my case. God's working on the worst of my case. He shows me. He brings light to those areas where darkness is at, where I don't want to work with it. What is that song, Duran? You, you sang it, and I think boys used to sing it. There's a place I don't go. There's a room I don't go to. Why? That's an area I don't feel comfortable with. I haven't surrendered that area to God. I don't go there. I can put on a good face and everybody thinks I'm just perfect. So I'll just live that way. Let me tell you, it don't matter what you think of me. One day I will stand openly before Christ and the Spirit of God and everything I've said and done and every heart felt light that lit in my heart that showed me I was right or wrong was going to be standing there and telling the truth about what I was thinking. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Are you afraid to face him? I want to speak to my Savior. I want to be in his presence. We all cry, Lord, I just want to make it. Yes, we do. But I don't want to be embarrassed or ashamed standing in front of him. What he paid for purifies us and cleans us up. Praise God. 1 Thessalonians down in the third chapter. It's before this one, but it's the third chapter. It says in verse 12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Paul's talking about the church. He says, To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness. H-O-L-I. Holiness before God. Even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. 2 Thessalonians 2, there's one verse. In the second chapter it says, We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, listen to this, chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit. What is it that sets us apart? The Holy Spirit inside. See, you can take a Christian, you can take a Christian right down into the ball game downtown. And I can tell you, he knows what's evil around him. Why? There's something inside of him that says, Jesus wouldn't be happy here. He wouldn't like their language. He wouldn't like the beer flying. He wouldn't like all the things they're glorifying down there in the ballpark. You know what? It sounds like I'm against the ball game. I'm really not. I'm just trying to tell you, everywhere you go, you represent Christ. Everywhere you go, you know something's not right here. Something's anti-God, anti-Christ. It's all around us. Our nation's that way. In 2 Timothy, there's a verse there that I wanted to read. It's verse 20. It says, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold, silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, 
sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Praise God. Do you know that he can purify you and put you? Hey, if you think I can't do what you're doing, you can't do it until God prepares you and calls you. But he can do that. You can't do it. I could never stand here. I always said it. That was my daddy's call. That wasn't my call. Don't ask me to be a pastor. I don't want to be a pastor. I can see what my father went through. I don't want to do that. And I, number one, he was, he was in love with doing what God wanted him to do, and that ain't what I want to do. Let me tell you, no, how many of you know your flesh is getting away? And I kept saying no, 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 until my wife said to me, if you don't do what God tells you to do, you're going to pay for it. Try. If it's wrong, you didn't even just step back out. And when I finally said I would, they clapped for me. And I said, wait a minute. You won't be clapping next year. First thing coming to my mind, you won't be happy next year. But can I tell you something? The enemy wants to tear me apart. He wants to tear my Christian life apart. And I thought this is over my head. I can't do this. But God, and I say it, but God. And I know I got on my face and I said, God, you've got to prove to me you've called me to do this. You've got to show me. I can have all kinds of people tell me, but you need to show me where you can separate me and give me a mouth to speak. I, I'm hollering at you and I don't know why. But I know this, God put something in there that I can't shut up about. And the more I read it, the more excited I get about telling you that you don't need a little of it, you need all of it. Amen. We need all of it. Every one of us need it. I just found out I needed it all. Randy, I was just cruising along having a good time. But all of a sudden, God said, no, I want you to do something. And when God calls you and tells you to do that, there ain't an alternate route. There ain't no detour sign. You got to walk the way he says walk. In 1 Peter 1 2, he said, Elect, talking to Peter's writing to the church, he said, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, he talks about sanctification of the Spirit. You've got to understand, don't be afraid of the Spirit of God. The church, the, the ministries, the churches, they cannot control what the Holy Spirit will tell them to do so they don't want the Holy Spirit in the church. Oh, don't let, don't let that person get up and start testifying. They're liable to turn the whole service around and I won't have time to preach. You know what? Let God have his way. And I'm not telling you everybody ought to need to get up and testify when it's preaching time. But I will tell you that God wants to have his way in his services. And when a singer gets up, he don't expect everybody to jump and run and have an exciting time. But if the Holy Spirit begins to talk through that song at someone that needs to hear it, guess what? There's all right to get excited. It's all right. It's the highlights of the day. We'd only get a little bit of this power of God and we can't handle it in these bodies we're going to have to have a new body to be able to handle the presence of God all the time 
But when we get it, let's, let's love it. Let's embrace it. Let's grab a hold of it. Let's, you know what? I don't want to run from them. I want to get a little closer to them. The next time somebody gets all excited and you think they're a little strange, just run up there and stick your nose right up under them. Stand there with them. I promise it's going to rub off on you a little bit. It'll wake you up. The power of God on somebody will wake you up. God lets that happen because he wants you to know, I'm entering the room. Come and embrace me. God wants this relationship. Hebrews 9, verse 11, said, But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that's to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having ordained eternal redemption for us. Steve talked one night. Steve Ratcliffe talked on a Thursday night. And he wanted to bring out how they used to. Everybody had to bring a sacrifice. Everybody had to bring an animal. Back in the old sacrificial time, you had to bring an animal, bring it to the priest. He had to hold your hand on it. He would cut its throat. They would spill the blood and, and kill this innocent animal because of your sin, your personal sin. But it went from the time of that to the offering the priest would go once a year and offer for the whole church, the whole body, the whole temple, the whole children of Israel. And then it come to Jesus Christ. He paid it once and for all. You don't have to sacrifice no animals no more. No priest has to stand in the gap for you. Jesus paid it all. The Father received him, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting for you and I to come. The work is done. The price has been paid. He goes on to say for it in verse 13, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the, uncl the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, more or less that was the ritual they had to do. And the ritual of the, what they had to do set them free from that sin. Basically, they were in their flesh cleared back to be part of the children of Israel. Put them back in the right order. But it says, number, verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How many knows you've been purged by the Spirit of God? He is purging us. He is cleansing us. He is changing us. We're not the man we used to be. We're not the people we used to be. You say, I always look that way. Yeah, but you don't act that way that more, no more. I don't have to be what I was. There's the gospel of Jesus Christ that can change a life. And it still does. One place, Hebrew 12, 14, one verse, little verse. 
It says, follow peace with all men. And then it says, and holiness. Without, then it says, holiness. And it says, without which no man shall see the Lord. You're not going to see God if you don't understand. He set us free to be holy. He set us free to be children of God. Children of God should act like children of God, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they represent Christ everywhere they go? Not in a few words of, of uh, you know, say a, say a nice uh, prayer for our meal. I'm talking about, you know, sometimes when they open that door and they say, here, pray for the meal. And you know what? You'll preach a sermon in that, in that prayer. Because you know I ain't going to get them to ask me the question of, hey, tell me about Jesus. So when I go to pray in a meal, sometimes I got to pray for everybody around there. And I don't mean that to be pushy. I'm just saying sometimes you just reach in and take that opportunity and say, let me tell you about what my Savior did. And you know what? You can't help it. You can't help recognize it. I've been to the hospital and been with other people, and when you hear them pray, you can, you can recognize Jesus in them. They would just lit up. Praise God. Now I want you to turn to Matthew 24. And then most of the time this is all prophetic words, but I want you to hear something. Because of what I'm talking about, I want you to hear these verses. Matthew 24, verse 42. Jesus is speaking. And he tells them, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. How many is watching? You know you're supposed to be watching for the Lord's coming. He says, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Wow. I think that scripture stands out today. Because no matter what we think of what the enemy's doing, our focus is not what the evil of this world is. Our focus is what is our Savior doing. I know God's disappointed. God's disappointed in America. God's disappointed in the church. God's disappointed in our walk. He's wanting to come back and get to church, but he's being patient. He's being long-suffering. And he's trying to reach as many as will come. Oh, there's so many taking a big stand. So many in high positions. So many leaders in our country that do not know God. They don't know to call on him. They don't know to talk to him. And what they're doing is all formality. They have a form of religion, but they know not the power thereof. I'm not their judge. But somebody said it not long ago, there's not a leader in any nation that you look at that claims to be godly, claims to know Christ. They don't hardly any of them know where. 
What is our world becoming? It's become an antichrist. They don't want you to talk about Jesus Christ. They don't want you to bring him up. They want to erase it from it. They want to erase it from our schools. Somebody said it this morning. Connie did. They have, Biden has, is trying to pass a law that you cannot pray in public. You're not allowed to pray in public. You're going to offend somebody. Well, it offended me when, when Charlie Smallwood and, and all those people came to my mom and dad's house. And when I realized I was lost, the last place I wanted to go was to go into that living room because there was a bunch of old people in there just praying their hearts out. And the presence of God just, I ran from it with all I could. Stay out of there. Don't go in there. I was offended. Why? Because I wasn't living right. Now I ain't offended no more. Now I ain't nobody but Jesus. Open my heart and my life to him. That's what you have to have to be ready to go home. Listen to what he's saying. If you knew when the thief was going to show up, you'd be up ready for him, wouldn't you? If he calls you and says, I'm going to show up at uh, quarter two in the morning, most everybody would be ready for him. Bob, you'd have your gun out. You'd be ready for him. Jesus is coming. And he ain't going to tell you exactly when. But he's going to tell you to be ready. Stay ready. See, there's a little problem going on in the church. People's getting tired of hearing about, oh, he's coming soon. Heard that ever since I was a kid. My daddy and mommy used to talk about it when they was young, and they couldn't believe the evil times they lived in. And I look at how bad it's got since their time. I don't think my father could handle what they're doing today. He goes on, verse 44. He says, Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man comes. 45. Who then is faithful? is a faithful and wise serpent. Him his, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is the servant whom, the Lord, whom his Lord when he comes shall find so doing. He going to find you working when he comes? Is he going to find you living, for some, living to try to witness to somebody? Is he going to find you busy Start studying the word of God. I love it when I, I talk to Neil, uh, Neil's wife. can't remember her name, Sandy. She, she told us that the last week he was dying. He was in hospice, but he was a minister. He came here on Sunday night, preached for us a lot of times. But Brother Neil would get on his, he'd get in his little room when he was dying that week. And he studied his Bible because he said, God's liable to heal me, and i got to be ready for the next sermon. So he studied right up to the day he died. What did he study? He studied God's words. He said, i got to keep feeding on the only thing I know that supplies my need. That's who we're to be. 
I'm not trying to steal your life. I'm not trying to take, God's not trying to take your life away from you. He will bless you more following him and whatever you think you went to college for, he'll bless you more if you'll follow him first. He will open the doors you need open and he will multiply you over and over. It says, but if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him a portion, his portion with the hypocrites. Uh-oh. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You wished I wouldn't read that, but I got to read it. While you're stuck here and you can't get away from it, I got to tell you the truth. I have to tell you, it's, it's what God's word says. I can't soft soap it. I can't say, oh, God knows you worked for him for years and it's okay that you've drifted away and you don't care. No, he's coming back for a church that's ready. And I'm not going to get into whether you have a second chance. That may be in tribulation. You may have to give your head. And there are those that do that. But I can tell you, we need to be ready. Because I, don't, I know this is talking prophecy. A lot of times they'll tell you that church is already gone at this time, prophecy. But I don't believe that. I believe this is written to the church, Bobby. I believe it's telling the church because when Jesus comes back and puts his foot on the, on the, on the ground, there won't be no, he, we don't know when he's coming because they'll know when he's coming. It's during tribulation time and it's written how he will come and when. But the church, those that's getting resurrected, they're looking because the days are here and you can see it. We know it's been told. We know the scripture teaches. 1 Thessalonians uh, fifth, fourth chapter talks about it. 1 Corinthians 15 chapter talks about it. He's coming back for this church. We're to be ready. See, I, I don't know why, but for some reason or other, we keep falling into this place of how great grace is. So grace is so great, we can just go right ahead and sin. And God's going to forgive us anyway. And I'll tell you right now, that's not the heart God's looking for. God's not looking. King David got up and committed a sin. But as soon as it was laid before him, he repented. And later on, after he's gone, God said, Solomon, you didn't walk like you're perfect like your father did before me. Talking about David. How can he say that about somebody that had sinned? But he knew his heart was that I want to be obedient to God. I failed him, but I want to be obedient to God. I want to live my life from this day forward till the day I hear the trumpet sound. I'm going to be listening for it. And I'm going to be ready. And I'm going to tell everybody God opens the door for me to tell. That's what I know my father lived. That's what I know the saints before us lived. And that's the very gospel we're to live. 
Okay. Now I'm going to say something you probably never heard. Look at the 25th chapter, the first 13 verses. I'm not going to read them all, but I want you to hear it. This is talking about the ten virgins. Now, the story tells that there were ten virgins. It says, Jesus is telling the story right after he got done talking in 24. He said, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. How many knows when you accepted Jesus Christ, you're going forth to meet the bridegroom? Lord, I'm walking and preparing myself to be a part of the bride of Christ. Hear what I'm saying? That's the only church he's coming back for is the bride of Christ. But he says here, and five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom comes. The trumpet sounded. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Go ye out to meet him, he tells them. Now, you understand some. They had to get up and go after the bridegroom. We're supposed to be going after the bridegroom. He's coming back for us. And when we wait and wait and think in the times here, why isn't Jesus coming back? I can't believe they're getting away with what they're doing in, a, in, a, in, a, in America. I can't believe they're getting away with it up in, up in uh, Washington. I just can't believe that we've allowed that. Where is the good people to stop this? Let me tell you something. It's written. It's going to happen. It's written. Follow what God has said. There is only one answer, and it's been talked about. Repent and prepare yourself because he's coming back for his church and judgment's coming up on this land. I ain't trying to put judgment on America. There's a lot of good people here. I'll tell you what I read about this that I want to tell you that I don't think you ever heard it this way. When Jesus indicated ten virgins, five foolish and five wise, it's almost like he's saying half the church ain't going. How many heard what I said? Almost tells me at least half of the church, they're drifting away, Bobby. They ain't ready. They're foolish. They don't stay with their oil in their lamp. They don't stay with the power of God in their life. They don't live for what, they're, what they was called to be. They're living for what the world said. They're living just slumbering and waiting. Oh, I'll wait till later and do that. He ain't coming anyway yet. But when he come, it was too late. And if you read down the last verse, he said, he said, watch therefore, verse 13, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. Then when they came back, when Jesus 
comes and the five virgins get taken up. Those that didn't have no oil, they go to try to get their oil. They go try to get ready. It's too late. In the twinkling of an eye, they're gone. But it says they come back and they knock on the door. Open to us, the virgins did. And Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't see that as a prophetic words of some prophecy during the tribulation time. I see that as the church. Why? Because he's warning them to be ready. He's warning us to stay ready. It's a hard sermon. I, I'm sorry if you get your feelings hurt, but I love you enough to tell you exactly what I think God's saying. Don't be one of those five virgins that, oh, I was going to church and I was happy. When I was a kid, we had good times at church. I got a lot of good memories at the church. But I don't want to live for God no more. I don't want to be ready. I don't want to prepare myself. I don't want to surrender myself and separate myself from the world because that's what's going on today even in the church house. I'm talking to the church house. We know there's a difference. The world, you got to give it to them. They, a lot of them don't know there is power of God that will change your life and, and, and give you salvation, clean you up and make you like a little child again that will prepare your heart for eternity, prepare you to be rescued from the bride, from the groom. The groom will come and get his bride. The midnight cry. Jesus is calling his church to repent. He's calling us to get ready. Somebody said it. The way Christians, though years ago people prayed till they prayed through. They didn't get down and say a few little words, and then walk away and never want to change anything in their life. They prayed till they surrendered it all. I, I heard the stories of people getting saved, and they go home and broke up all their records and throw it, that's back when they had records, throw all their records in the garbage because they didn't want nothing to stand between them and God. Some went home, threw all their magazines away. Some threw all their cigarettes away. I know cigarettes ain't bad now. Well, they are, but they don't, they don't look at them as bad. I'm not telling you what will keep you out of heaven. I'm trying to tell you to prepare yourself. I'm trying to tell you don't let the enemy put the blinders upon your eyes again. Be ready. Jesus said, I'm coming back for a church that's ready. Praise God. Everybody stand, if you will. Becky, come on. I would not preach this if I thought the Bible only teaches that ministers or teachers or pastors or 
prophets or evangelists are supposed to separate themselves. The Bible talks of sanctification all the way from the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. When God called Israel, listen to me, when God called Israel, I'll bring those scriptures out tonight, but when he called Israel, he spoke to them and said, come and separate yourself and I will be your God. And I asked you, be holy for I am holy. How many knows that's what he said? He said, be ye holy for I am holy. Do you think he's... Uh, soften the st- uh, soften the uh, the way it's supposed to be now. I don't think so. Jesus paid a price, and He gave us the price, and the and He provided the power to live in us that we can walk this. I don't stand here to tell you how perfect I am. I'll tell you, I know where the source is when I need help. I know where the source is when my flesh fails me. My, I know David went to his face and he cried out to God. He even cried out, Lord, don't pass that judgment upon my little baby. But when he died, he didn't even hang around and think of it. He just got up and ate and went on. Why? He knew God was just and God was right. I have no arguments with God. He's right. I'm the one that failed. It's not what he's not done. It's what I've not done. Oh, God, help us. Help us to fall in love with you like we should. Help us to separate ourselves. Separate us, Lord. I've only got a little life to live. Charles only got a little time in this life. And you will, you'll look up here and see somebody else up here because I won't be here. But I need to get my heart right. I need to live right all of my days and be prepared for eternity because it's coming whether you accept it or not. Some of you, listen to me. My brother told me about his, his boss, one of his bosses. Same age as Mark. He died for 12 minutes. And he came back. They brought him back. Didn't have no big vision. Didn't have no big anything. But Mark looked at him and said, How many people do you know died 12 minutes and came back? He said, Well, I really don't know anybody. And he said, God's got a reason to bring you back. You need to get your heart right with God. God's gave you the second chance to that. Can I say it? That's pretty, pretty simple to me. God is giving us opportunity after opportunity to say, Lord, I need to come back to you with my whole life. Body, soul, and spirit, Lord, sanctify me holy. Holy Spirit, come and sanctify everybody. Part of of me that's there. Get rid of the old man. Let me die to the old man. And help me to serve you, Lord. I know he's here. Jesus, don't. 
bring things this way because he's angry at anybody. It was his way of bringing mercy to each one of us. I remember standing in the back of Asbury, Daryl, when they were talking that way and I was under conviction and I was hiding behind your grandpa. I was hiding behind him. He was a big man. I just hid behind him. I was 13, 14 years old. But I knew I was lost. And I was afraid if I died at night, I would not wake up in heaven because I'd never been saved. But they kept on singing. And I kept telling myself, if they just quit singing, I'll get out of here. But then they said, let's sing it one more time. You ever, them, them, spirit, them preachers on TV aggravate you doing it. Jim, my wife tells me, Jimmy Swagger, and they sing that song over and over and over and over. I said, somebody trying to make a decision, and they don't want to pull a cord. Somebody might be coming to Christ. Don't you know he loves you? Don't you know every time he speaks to your heart, he's reaching out with his heart to you? Give him the opportunity to show you who he is. Show you what he can do in your life. Praise God. You come while they sing. If you need to come, you come. Every one of us comes the same way. You know what? Don't be embarrassed. Say, I'd rather have Jesus than I'd have embarrassment every day. I'm going to stand before everybody anyway. I'm going to stand before him someday anyway. So I might as well be open today. Open your life to him. Come. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It's closer now than it's ever been. I can almost Hear the trumpet as Gabriel sounds the call at the midnight cry. We'll be going home when Jesus steps out. Prophecies fulfilling all the signs of the times, they're appearing everywhere. 
Dead in Christ shall rise. 